0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, March 27th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. The Federal Reserve's rescue efforts following the coronavirus outbreak runs the risk of blurring the all-important line between monetary and fiscal policy. Cato's George Selgin says the Fed's recent moves don't give us much indication about the degree to which the Fed is engaging in risk-taking, and we probably won't know for some time. He says Fed policy since the financial crisis also did not leave them in a better position for this crisis. Uh, To the extent that the the Federal Reserve has taken action, and they've taken a lot of action it seems so far, um, do they at least understand the the nature of what is going on in your view?
1: I I think the Fed does know what's going on, and it does know essentially what its basic responsibilities are, which is to which mainly consists of making sure we don't get another financial crisis as a result of the coronavirus crisis that we can't avoid experiencing. I think the Fed understands that. The problem is that the Fed is under a lot of pressure to uh, provide support for various markets uh, and for the Treasury's efforts to, as it were, spread the pain from from this crisis and uh, that of course risks smudging the boundary lines between monetary policy proper which includes protecting financial markets from collapse and what what uh, is properly fiscal policy that is the use of taxpayer funds to uh, uh, to make transfer payments and to Engineer bailouts and all that. And there has been some smudging of those lines, uh, to say the least, in the recent rescue efforts.
0: The Fed has done a lot of things. Um, it, there was talk briefly as they cut uh, their target interest rate uh, by a pretty significant amount that that was it. The Fed was out of moves. And then a week later, we discover oh, no, 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 the Fed has lots of moves left. What have they done more recently?
1: well uh of course, they did reduce their uh, uh, target rate back to the level it was at uh, in the midst of the two thousand eight uh, crisis, and they reduced the interest rate on bank reserves to just ten basis points, which is almost zero, but not quite uh, otherwise, what they've done and what we shouldn't be surprised uh, to see them doing in light of two thousand and eight is they've revived uh, many of the special lending facilities that they used at that time, again, for the sake of propping up various parts of the financial market, they've also added a few programs that they didn't have before, particularly one designed to protect uh, mutual funds. And uh, they've also returned to quantitative easing on a, a, a substantial scale. Such that uh, we might see uh, a Fed with a six trillion dollar balance sheet uh, in uh, in another month or two. I uh, I wrote a post in 2018 talking about how Powell was on the route to becoming the first six million dollar chairman, and uh, now that seems to be coming to fruition thanks to the to, to the virus. So the the Fed has done an awful lot. Uh, and uh, in some respects, it's done more than it did in 2008.
0: So uh, what do you expect to be the economic fallout uh, thus far? Do you have a sense of that? Uh,
1: to be honest, I, I do not. I do, think that, uh, I do think that it's important, of course, to keep financial markets from crashing because we know that uh, when that happens, uh, a recession can, can deepen. And a recovery can take longer than it otherwise would. Uh, What one wants to uh, be concerned about, though, and what can backfire is, uh, as I said before, the smudging the boundary lines between monetary policy proper and and fiscal policy. That is, having the Fed, in in effect, uh, take part in deciding how taxpayer funds get used, which should be Congress's job. And that can happen just because the Fed is taking on uh risks. It's being forced to take on risks. In principle, the Fed's lending, for example, uh should be fully secured so that it takes very relatively little risk. Its loans are well collateralized or otherwise guaranteed. When the when you have a Fed program that could turn out to be risky, then uh it may still be a desirable program, but in that case the Treasury needs to back it up, that is to make sure that any losses that come out of it have been approved of in advance and, and and the Treasury is prepared to cover them so that they don't affect the Fed's balance sheet. Now, they've done a fair amount of that this time, but it is still not clear. The dust still has to settle before one can determine just how heavily the Fed has involved itself in fiscal policy in risk taking that's what is uh, uh, still it still remains to be seen i'll just make a quick point to uh, in connection with that this also relates to the whole question of moral hazard uh one doesn't want the programs that the fed is undertaking to be such as will invite any of the persons or participants involved to uh, be more inclined to take risks in the future that uh, is not a good idea. It sets up the stage for further abuse and crises. But I don't think that's as great a risk today than it, as it had been in 2008, because of the nature of the crisis.
0: Given how the Fed uh, has formulated policy uh, since the financial crisis in 2008, um, what kind of position did that leave them in going into this crisis?
1: Uh, that's a very good question and uh and I think the answer is it did not leave them in a better position uh when I mentioned before that the fed has revived the old 2008 play uh playbook uh and it's done so quickly in that respect it's it uh, seems to have acted uh properly but in fact if you step back a bit you have to ask what changes did the fed make in its operating procedures in its system in its uh in its programs for dealing with emergency lending between 2008 and today and the answer is it it has not done much that's why it had to dust off these old programs but it should have been working in the meantime to improve its uh lending facilities so that they would be automatically set up to, to be able to deal with another crisis in a relatively automatic uh, fashion that would have simplified things. It would have made for, it should, could have made for a more rational emergency response, but most of all, it would have assured markets that the response mechanism was in place, uh, Before anything actually happened, and that could have itself helped to quell panic instead of the Fed having to take any positive actions to revive temporary emergency facilities. That was a problem in 2008, and it's been a problem again.
0: Do you think that the Fed will succumb to uh, any pressure to bail out non financial firms?
1: Well, uh, yes. That is, I think it's quite possible. Again, that all depends on the uh, terms of the lending arrangements that end up uh, being undertaken, and it sometimes is not obvious on the spot to tell to what extent uh, the Fed is actually providing subsidized loans, uh, uh, where the uh, uh, where where there's or taking on risk that uh, properly should be taken on by the Treasury. So I'm making two points here. One is we don't know exactly how much, to what extent the lending programs are are in fact bailout programs and not just emergency credit provision that uh, doesn't involve subsidies. But the other point is we don't know to what extent the Treasury is ultimately taking responsibility, that is the Treasury and Congress. Are ultimately taking responsibility for any subsidization or bailouts that take place and they should ideally take full responsibility bailouts should be Congress's job uh, because it speaks for the taxpayers the Fed should not be engaging in bailouts except by assisting the Treasury with uh With whatever arrangements are involved, but without involving itself or its funds uh, and making its its uh making itself bear the costs of the bailouts that and uh, and allowing bailouts to take place without congressional approval. <sighs>
0: I'd like you to dig into this because there is this important uh, distinction that uh, your colleague Diego Zuluaga made recently, and that's the distinction between liquidity, providing liquidity, and uh, providing solvency for institutions. At a certain point uh, with respect to Federal Reserve action, those might be indistinguishable. Is that right?
1: Yes, absolutely. It gets very difficult to distinguish them. Because uh, uh, at some point, what you're really asking is, could a firm continue to function if it had only private market resources to rely on uh, and uh, had to borrow in the private market to stay liquid? And, uh, of course, the idea is that during a crisis, private markets don't uh, sustain the liquidity that they normally would, and the central bank steps in not to make credit available uh, at a subsidized rate, but simply to pick up where the private market is stumbling and continue to make credit available at a normal rate, a non-crisis rate. That's a very subtle distinction, of course, and especially so at a time when we We know interest rates or market interest rates have been in uh, in, uh, flux and they've also been trending down. Nobody really knows exactly what it means for the Federal Reserve to merely be picking up the slack in the private credit market rather than offering subsidies, loans at subsidy rates. It's easier to tell in retrospect after a crisis than it is while the thing is going on, but we can at least expect policymakers at the Fed and in Congress to try and make the programs that they create consistent with the spirit of dis- that of distinguishing between credit support, liquidity support on one hand, and solvency support support on the other, where Congress alone approves of and finances solvency support, and the Federal Reserve handles only liquidity support. That should be the principle, and that is what they should be striving for, if not always achieving.
0: George Selgin directs the Cato Institute Center for Monetary and Financial Alternatives. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.